Hi, this is Mike Townsend, UX Creative Director at Project 202, and today I'm speaking with Peter Eckert, Chief Experience Officer and Co-Founder of Project 202. Hi, Mike. Glad to be here. So tell us about the origins of Project 202 and what led you to create your own company. Yeah, so um, Project 202 started in 2003, and several things led up to the start of the company. At that time, you know, the entire design-focused industry was really just... um, looking at what the internet could deliver and um, no mobile devices were really around and everyone was just focusing on doing e-commerce or websites, which was really uh, um, the the internet 1.0 as we know it. However, um, the back offices of this world already started seeing the writing on the wall and that they needed support from a design perspective as well. So uh, through my earlier work in my career, I got exposed uh, pretty early on to very complex uh, enterprise level challenges and design solutions for those challenges. And that was kind of the, um, the spark to uh, have me uh, start Project 202 with a couple of others, as well as focus on the enterprise uh, as a whole. What is the origin of the name of Project 202 and where does the K come from? So when we got together, we started really thinking hard about uh, the philosophy of of what we want to accomplish and the field of design at that time the the term user experience didn't exist Um, so everyone was just talking about uh, ui designers or ui developers and it felt like that there's still quite a bit of evolution that would take place Um, additionally we felt that um, we probably will never reach a finite point of completion with our work because technology keeps evolving, uh, humanity keeps evolving, society keeps evolving. So it felt like this will be an, so to speak, never-ending project. Um, so we felt compelled to use the term project in describing ourselves. The two and two is uh, a really kind of a, a homage on the two founders plus the two friends that were willing to spend the early stages of the company to help uh, bring it to life. The K uh, is kind of a little bit of an ironic situation. It wasn't so much that because I'm a German that I wanted the K to be in the word project and how the the German word project is almost like the English uh, form of it. All three other members uh, or starting uh, founding members liked the idea of having the K with the German roots and a little bit the precision that comes with German design and and German approach to uh, executing um, projects. So uh, they convinced me to have the K um, and the rest is history. It's a great story. Um, So another question for you, how has the industry changed since Project 202 started? It's almost like a 180 flip, Uh, like I alluded to a little bit earlier. Initially, everyone in the late uh, 20th century and and then the beginning of the 21st century, you know, everyone was just gaga about the Internet and a lot of business ideas were just trying to do a website or like a web application. And... Um, at that time, there was even still the CD-ROM industry around. Uh, lots of marketing dollars were spent on putting stuff on devices and, and websites uh, without really thinking about um, the actual end user, uh, the people that are supposed to consume these things. Um, 
furthermore, there was really no real mobile platform or mobile proliferation that had taken place yet. So we were talking about, we, we still were uh, using flip phones um, and Blackberries and pagers. And there wasn't really anything that you could really design for these things other than icons or, or skins, um, ringtones. I mean, there, there was there was a movement where design agencies started designing ringtones. Uh, uh, kind of silly, but um, generally speaking, that's that were the limitations of most of the technologies. Once the iPhone started coming around, everything really started changing. Um, the term UX was born. Um, at that time, I started already calling myself a chief experience officer, something that is just now starting to uh, penetrate uh, most organizations as a, a valid role to lead large-scale uh, uh, design thinking projects. Um, so uh, today, um, you know, the industry has fully embraced uh, the mobile generation of users as well as the, the devices that come with it. And that we bring these personal devices into our work environments. Um, the term user experience is, is wildly, uh, uh, widely accepted um, and people realize that, you know, you need to invest in these areas. Um, every touch point in, in the experiences that we have with products and technology matters nowadays. And therefore, um, the investment dollars are actually not coming as much through the marketing channel anymore. They're coming mostly through uh, product management, R&D, uh, technology. So CTOs and CIOs of this world uh, are spending now money on the experiences of things. Yeah, 13 years in the business, and I'm sure you've seen a ton of industry change from what it sounds like. Tell me about how much the company has changed. Um you know, from an uh, idealistic perspective, we always wanted to help um, deliver products into the market that people really need and people uh, really like to use and people really build an affinity towards these products. So from that point of view, nothing really has changed. Um, we still today deeply care for what the, what the so-called end users uh, or consumers really can experience when we do these products. However, what has uh, drastically changed is how we do it, um, really going out and really observing people in their natural environments, in their natural behaviors, in their struggles, in their workarounds. Uh, the detail and the, the methodology around that has gotten really sophisticated. Uh, the execution has gotten really sophisticated. How design and technologists work together these days has become really, really um, smooth and elegant um, in our business um, our designers deeply care for the technology execution and our technologists deeply care for the user experience side of things so what sets project 202 apart from the competitors um, it's probably the uh, the combination of multiple skills and the way how we uh, execute them um, most agencies of this world uh, are very good in coming up with things and dreaming up things, but they're not so good in building them. And then there is uh, the other end of the spectrum, which is uh, large technology companies or development companies that are just building things based on feature requirements. 
and they think user experience is an add-on, uh, you know, sprinkle a little bit of magic on top of a product and it will be adopted in the marketplace. So uh, that is just as wrong thinking as just the dreaming up things. So Project 202 found a way to really integrate the true user needs and find that appearing throughout the entire design and development process. And then furthermore, our uh, design and technology group has found a way to closely collaborate on a day-to-day -day basis and help really bring a product to life and bring it into the market and have the right messaging behind it. So where we are different than others is we don't just dream up things, we also help build things. And as you're building things in the future, how do you see the company itself uh, and its place in the future? Um, it, it is almost a natural progression into all kinds of other areas. Uh, since we have started penetrating uh, these enterprises and help them solve not just individual product challenges, but, but entire ecosystem challenges, it has become very clear that the the complexity of the world that we're finding ourselves in and these these enormous uh, organizations they are not just on the product side they are also how organizations communicate internally how they have developed services around the products that they bring into the market how their business processes uh, are struggling how they are communicating all of these things essentially are parts of a larger experience thinking. Um, how do we ignore a service in a business and deliver a digital solution, but the customer will also interact with the services side of, the, of these organizations? And if these are not designed as well as the products themselves, you, you, you can harm your brand, you can harm your relationship with your customer. So where we think this is going is that Project 202 will uh, mature into an organization that uh, thinks about every single touch point uh, of an experience. And that can be spatial, that can be wayfinding, that can be services design, that can be architecture, that is certainly technology um, and everything surrounding it. Just recently, you wrote an article for UX Magazine. Um, can you tell me a little bit about it? Yes. Um, so obviously, um, I've been asked uh, uh, throughout my career of like what will happen in the next five to 10 years. And I've been periodically repeating this exercise. And this year happens to be one of those years again uh, where I'm being asked to predict the future 2016 and beyond. Um, like I said a little bit earlier, I think the emergence of the CXO is something that will continue to evolve in these businesses. I only know a handful of them that have that title in large organizations, and that's just going to continue. And, and these people will uh, have ownership over the execution of tools, products, services, etc. My my prediction and what the article was about is that a that will that the CXO will continue to penetrate the enterprise, but also that certain other industry terms will have to evolve. There are things like design thinking, and the Internet of Things that are currently very hard terms, but if you really uh, look at them a little bit more closely, they don't truly capture what's going to happen over the next decade. 
design thinking is really a method to help otherwise um, uh, rather stark and and stoic ways of building products can take this technique of uh, creativity to execute better and build better uh, things. But if you really think about what we need to accomplish, that term should move into a term more called experience thinking, because everything that we do is an experience and therefore we need to think about it that way um, holistically. And that's why I, I, I predict that we will be talking about experience thinking in the future and less about design thinking. So the term, the Internet of Things, is really hot right now. It's used a lot in media, but is it really explaining the right thing? That is an excellent question. Um, if, you, if you look at how that term emerged, I think it was born out of the landscape of emerging consumer products that you know, use connectivity to, you know, talk to each other, which is the right thing to do and which is eventually very beautiful for us because once all of our products that we live with can, uh, you know, communicate amongst themselves, that will eliminate the need for us to manually interact with them, you know, having to manually set the thermostat having to interface with an uh, user interface, those things will go away. We're moving towards kind of zero UI kind of methods, um, uh, interacting with devices by voice, um, uh, by, by gesture, you know, all of this is going to be eventually really, really meaningful and elegant uh, to us. So the term came from using Wi-Fi to connect um, these devices and Wi-Fi is closely associated with, uh, you know, browsing the internet. And I think that's where someone somewhere in 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 a, in a group thought about it that way and 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 coined the term the Internet of Things. Uh, to be honest, I don't even know who initially coined it, uh, but it is misleading and it is not truly describing uh, where we're heading. Um, if you think about that connectivity on the consumer level. On the other end of the spectrum, there is uh, heavily something happening on the industrial level, like companies like GE are thinking about putting sensory in every single piece of machinery that they're building. And so they're creating a connected, wor connected world on that level. And so eventually that industrial world, as well as the consumer world, will merge and will connect. And when that happens, technically speaking, we created a mesh of connected entities across the globe. So essentially, the planet will become a computing entity and we will be living inside that computer uh, and will be a node, a data point that interacts with that computer. Uh, now, that I, I, I'm fully aware this sounds extremely uh, futuristic and, and potentially people uh, are thinking uh, paranoia right away around what that all could mean. But, you know, that is really what's happening. Everything gets connected. Everything can interact with it, each other. Machines learn from machines and from people interacting with machines. And so it is uh, essentially a giant computer. So back to your original question, the, Internet of, the term Internet of Things is fine for what it is now, but it's not accurately describing what will happen in the future. And probably we need a different term for it um, eventually. You just mentioned the term zero UI. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so 
we use the term zero UI to think about interacting with products without having to literally use a user interface. So there won't be a screen, uh, potentially there, there, there won't be anything that you can touch. So think about like uh, voice commands. So we, we know the, the most rudimentary forms of voice commands are currently being used by us. Like you can talk to Siri on an iPhone or you can talk to the Amazon Echo by using just your voice. Um, the Kinect, uh, you can gesture uh, to, you know, have your Xbox do different things. So those are all, technically speaking, zero user interface uh, uh, setups. In the future, this will get a whole lot better. There is already companies out there that, you know, focus on how voice can be more contextual so entire conversations can be driving interactions with products and devices uh, sensory can be built into uh, walls or individual products uh, or signage and you can with gesture make them go on and off uh, you can wear sensors that you know environments will know where you are who you are uh, what do you like? And and basically, we are not forced to manually do things anymore. I mean, think about it, what you do day in, day out when you uh, just uh, go to work or come home uh, or use your current computing devices. There's a lot of manual interaction with, uh, with interfaces and um, a lot of them are cumbersome. So really why we are UX designers in the first place and, and UX developers in the first place is helping these interfaces come to life and be meaningful and simple and intuitive. But ideally speaking, if we could interact with technology without having a device uh, or without having an interface, that would be so much more meaningful. Um, so zero UI is something that will become a very hard expression, I think, over the next five to 10 years. And a lot of people will be talking about it. And I'm aware of several uh, companies uh, around the globe already that we are talking to that that want to move into that direction where literally business application might be driven by just you talking to them or gesturing to them. So talk about your philosophy of form follows empathy. What does that mean and, and how is it a shift from the standard form follows function? So um, that goes really... Uh, way back early in my career uh, during my design education we investigated a lot about early and mid 20th century design philosophies and uh, you know product designers like Ryman Lowy and things like that they they followed this kind of notion that form follows function and while that is true to an extent I think it's not holding up completely nowadays anymore uh, I was also very fortunate that m the early stages of my uh, professional career, I was exposed to Hartmut Esslinger, the founder of Frog Design, um, and and he uh, early on coined the expression uh, "form follows emotion," which is also um, an aspect of really what needs to happen when we build products. We need to be emotionally connected, and therefore the expression of that product needs to be in a certain extent. Uh, it needs to fulfill 
functions and features, and therefore form follows function and form follows emotion, are true statements, uh, and they are they are aspects of how uh, products need to be built. However, I believe that form also needs to follow empathy. We need to truly understand the 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 things that people try to accomplish in their daily life and how they do it and and where they struggle and where they're doing things really well and have that empathy on the deepest level for their situation and once we once we understand what they truly need then everything comes together so form follows empathy is holding it all together peter it's been really great talking to you today and i appreciate you taking the time my pleasure thank you